changes. Da, 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 da. I don't think that's the right word. I don't think so either. I just, but that's what came in my head. <laughs> I was thinking changes, and then that's where it went. And that's then, where it went? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that's not the that's right That's not word. the right words. Yeah, now Feeling I can't. Feeling so lonely. Yeah. No. Crazy. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Crazy. <laughs> there we go. I got it. I have no idea who the fuck sings that song. Welcome Patsy to Embr- Patsy <laughs> Welcome to Embracing the Wild. I am Abby Pagoon. And I'm Audra Watley. Oh my gosh. And yeah. the things. And we are trying to do like double podcasting this week and next week just so that we make sure that you, the listeners, have episodes every week while I am out of town. <laughs> yes, at an undisclosed location. Of an course. undisclosed location. <laughs> But it's funny because it's like we don't normally do that. So then it's like we stared at each other and like, wait, what are we talking about this morning? I don't. Are we I don't what are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then I went. That's that's where I went. So yeah. I you know it's interesting because I had a very early marketing meeting that I have on Wednesdays that are just a whole bunch of fun. A lot of energy in one room. You know, <laughs> sometimes people get recognized. Sometimes people do not. But like. It is a great atmosphere, and it's just fun, and people just go. Now, does a lot of business transpire from it? I don't know. There's a lot of connectivity, and there's a lot of community, and there's a lot of business to business, but it's just a fun people, and I really go to it more for, like, the social aspects and, you know, just staying in connections and letting people know that, like, yes, me and my business have not died. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. And I need to get back out there and do that because, you know, I don't have the energy. I, I don't either. And, and I'm like, I am, I've never been a morning person. There's been times that I forced myself to get up and go to those early meetings, but it's kind of like, I have this invisibility cloak thing anyway. And it's seven thirty totally in the morning. You are a blender. It's worse. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, I could stand up and tell them that I have the magical cure for everything and I would still not be heard. So um, you know, <laughs> and you, I've actually I've actually witnessed it, and I've even done commercials on on behalf of you, and and still people will be like, oh wow, what did she say? And then like, yeah. and then it became about me, and I'm like, no, no, I I'm highlighting. Here's an arrow, and well, so, and well, that's the thing. It's like I obviously obviously am a loud personality, and like people do have a tendency to remember me. But what I really like about the group is that. Every time I go, I feel good because I like the people there. It boosts me up. It keeps me on my toes and it keeps me like strategizing, right? Like I get a lot of really good like pickup in the room for promotional ideas or things of that nature. And it's not and it's not that somebody said something that enlightened me or opened up the box. It was the fact that I was in the room with the energy of people being fun-filled and excited and like they've been working on their commercials and just like stimulating vibrations of creativity. And so that always, like sometimes I get really big downloads in the middle. So if you ever see me in a marketing meeting and I'm jotting down notes, it is not because I'm not listening to you. It's literally because something came pouring in to which I have to write about later, either for a future book or a future podcast or, you know, something that has to do with business growth and development. But 
all that is boring conversation. And so we don't have to talk about it. But what I really enjoyed was the after conversations because that's where like so much of the connectivity happens. And one of the conversations we had this morning, I was so excited because it was one of, it was an older um, member of the chamber who's been in deep rooted in McKinney area, which obviously you guys know that's kind of where we're based out of. And the cool thing about it was that there was so much enlightenment and awareness of her understanding on, you know, she she brought up the term of addictions is a big deal in her family and addressing traumas and how addictions can get very wrapped up into not processing your past traumas. And so I loved hearing her drop little tidbits to the point where I was like, why are you not listening to Embracing the Wild? Because we talk about this shit like all the time. And then, you know, like, and now, of course, I have immediately was like, oh, I'm going to connect her to you because there were some allergy things and what whatnot that was, that could be helped and not have her struggle. But it was interesting because it's like she clearly knows you and has probably known you for longer than me. Oh, yeah. But I've, then I've, you haven't been on the I've, radar because you have your invisibility cloak. I've known her for probably 15 plus years. Yeah. And like, has she ever been, and she's probably never been in your office. Probably not. Right. So my, it's one, my whole thing is, okay, how much of us really want to be seen? Like how much, how much of, do you want people to see versus how much do you show? It's okay. It's morning. It's It's, morning. It's, it's, it's just the, it's just the street sweeper. Go outside. Street sweeper. I feel like that needs to be a song. Swiffer. Street sweeper. Street sweeper. Yeah. Hopefully they get your grill in the rat that's on the corner. No. No. I think I'm going to have to call somebody. To pick that up. I was going to say, not even the people driving up and down the street want to steal my grill. Oh my gosh. Maybe maybe this should be like an episode. What happened to the grill in the rat? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Continuation. I know. It's like they took the the propane tank and they took the cover off the grill, but nobody wants the damn grill. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. So I actually, I'm going to skip back to what we were talking about because I think it's like super important and I don't want to gloss over it, is that most addictions, even food addictions, are because of we're trying to self-medicate. To fill a void. To fill, you know, to fill a void or to... Um, you know, calm some aspect of our brain or calm some aspect of our body that we know is out of balance, but we don't know how to, and I mean, it's like intuitively we know something's wrong and that's why we do the addictive behavior. Right. Right. But it's like, we don't know how to undo what that, you know, what that is or how to properly address it. Which is no different than like coping skills. Right. It's exactly what it is. Right. It's a coping skill, but it's a coping skill that's harmful to the body. Right. Which I, and this is not just addictions with alcohol, drugs, it's food, food Food. addictions and hoarding. Hoarding is a really big one in older gener, like generations of like the 50, like around that 45 to 60, the baby boomers. The baby boomers. Yeah. Yeah. The baby boomers have... Not only have I noticed, I've even noticed with my mother, you know, it was a lot of eating her feelings, you know, because the, it, is, it wasn't that, you know, hey, you got out of World War II, you survived. 
right? You got out of World War II, you survived. You were but then, a product of World War II. Right. And then on top of it, it's like the emotion, there There was an emotional disconnect because it was like, okay, here's our day-to-day life that people are living when they got out of World War II. Okay, when they're going through the highs and lows of life, guess what? That shit doesn't make a fucking difference when you were just faced with, oh, am I going to die tomorrow? And so, which that's, and I'm saying that doesn't mean that that's not true. What I'm saying is, is that, these are people that didn't openly talk about their feelings because on rank of life and death, they were like, oh, you know what? It's just regular problem, life problem stuff. I'm not going to pay attention to it. And so then people didn't talk about their feelings. They kept right. up with presentation. So I, I'm going to back that up and kind of unwind it because it's actually it's actually more interesting than that to me because it's like it's not necessarily the ones that were at war that lived in wartime. It's the children that were born. Mm-hmm. from those parents and so they were raised in households where you know dad most likely being in world war ii had some level of post-traumatic stress right right and so they created, which no one talked about no one talked about which it is was where i like, was going was like i, was I wanted say, to go no back one to generation talked about it right so no one talked about it but it's not just that they didn't talk about it it's that you know they programmed women to um you know keep Be the, the household to what be the dainty flower. Of, yeah, well, and, the upcut and flower. it's not even that. It's like they trained women to manage the household in such a way that it didn't trigger dad. Oh, good point. Right? Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like everything was managed. You know, dinner was on the table when he got home from work because he was expected well, to go I... to work and she was expected to stay home. And the kids were expected to be clean and quiet. Right. Right? And so it's. All right, so we're talking about baby boomers, and we're having technological difficulties. Apparently, he doesn't want to have to hear what I have to say because I'm invisible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, so the baby boomers are actually the children of that generation where, you know, society trained each other to be not to, you know, to be non-reactive at home. Children are expected to be clean and quiet. And so you have this entire generation of children that were told, you know, be seen and not heard. Yeah. Right? It's right. like, you know, be seen and not heard. We don't want to, you know, walk on eggshells around dad because you don't want to trigger him. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And it's just, it's fascinating to me is that your mom is probably a little bit younger than my mom is because my mom was totally a product of that. She was 53. Yeah. My my mom is, you know, 78 this year. Okay. My mom turned 70. Okay. So she was a little bit ahead, and um, she actually was, you know, born in 45. My grandfather was one of those that was standing on the shores of Normandy at D-Day, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, even with his amazing personality, he was introspective, and, I, you know, he came home. Um, he had been a child of, a, you know, farmers in North Texas, and when he came back from the war... It's like the best jobs for them were at the refine the oil refineries, and so when my mom was a little girl, they moved down to um, they moved down to to Beaumont area where the refineries were. Wow! And so and he worked a refinery job his entire life, and part of that was um, night shifts. Right. And so it's like she was expected to have this very controlled environment. My uncle was you know six years younger, and so you know he was the <laughs> he, he, he was still a baby boomer or still is a baby boomer but at the same time it's like he was the wild child that was came in to disrupt wow you know so it's a very interesting dynamic to even watch the two of them 
because my mom is so controlled and so put together and so don't disrupt, don't interrupt, don't, you know, it's like she she has a big personality, but she is very much control on everything. Wow. And I'm telling you, it just comes from, it comes from the times. And so it's like you have those of us that were born to those super controlled parents. And so we had super controlled childhoods in some way. And a lot of those same, like, you know, pass down the values of be seen and not heard and all of the stuff. But at the same time, we've gone, I'm not living that way. I'm not living that way. I am going to unravel my crap. I am going to recognize that it's part of, um, you know, the things that I was programmed with and not who I am and that sort of thing. So it really is fascinating, like, to look at, not just look at the past for the lessons that are there, but to look at the past for how it shaped and developed the people of the times well and what I always find fascinating is that like you know a lot of people don't think about like generationally the timeline to which events occurred through history profoundly affects how the generation was raised and some of the I guess you could say quirks to which was going on because when I when I sit there and you know you're highlighting the baby boomers and like all of the things that came out of the baby boomer world. I go immediately go back to world war times looking at the parental unit that influenced that generation to which it's like, okay, here was the generation that was dealing with war times. Here was the generation that was dealing with that. So then when it came to emotions, it was, they didn't talk about it because they were comparison in life and death. Like today, we don't have a lot of life and death situations going on unless there was something like a major incident that you were around or something that happened to you, et cetera. But really on a day-to-day basis, we're not facing war times. We're not facing... At least here in this country. And exactly. We and we haven't for... Right. But, but 50 years, 60 years. Right. But think, but exactly to my point is that if you look at other countries that are facing wartime issues, they're not having identity issues in their country. They're not having participation awards and they're not having all of the fluffer things that we've provided in life in it. And I don't want to say that it's like at you know, our country's advanced to the next level of involvement. If anything, it's like, no, it's that we didn't have some of those life and death factors that very much clearly wake you up to saying, holy shit, this could, like, let's leave, live every day to the fullest. Let's not deal with the hogwash. Let's focus on the real essence of soul and the real essence of life and deal with the important things. Yeah, let's deal with your trauma. Exactly. Like, you know, it's like, you know, let's, let's bring it out and deal with it now because if you hold on to it and wait, it's just going to create more problems. Well, and it causes like this distraction, like when you're stuck and you're not, when you, when you don't have that pulling you back to keeping you grounded and focused on the the purpose and the point, you get distracted with the things and the sparkles and the, you know, the habits and the hobbies and the groups and all the different things. Like you end up missing so much because you're distracted and keeping yourself mindfully busy, right? Which in my opinion, mindful busyness keeps you, I don't know if deterred would be the right word, but it keeps you away from your true essence of self. It keeps you away from your true essence of purpose. It keeps you away from the next step and next phase of involvement in your life. 
because you're so distracted and consumed and it's like, you know, it's, oh, this thing's new, this thing's hip, this thing's trendy, this is whatever. Well, it's, that's, that to me is the source of materialism, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, let's see if we can, um, you know, make ourselves happy with stuff versus making ourselves happy by really dealing with the stuff that's making us unhappy in the first place. Right. Which I, that's the really interesting part is like, I always kind of look at things of how much, I was talking with somebody a couple of days ago and it really was reflecting on, you know, especially with parent-child dynamics, like what's important to the child versus what's important to the parent. How much of the parent's, you know, dreams and ideology and other stuff is being projected onto a child and how they're being raised? Is the child being raised of who they are as a soul being? Are they able to explore and expand their essence of who they are and build the confidence from within? Or is the parent projecting a viewpoint or projecting a lost dream that they didn't weren't able to accomplish onto the kid, which then influences the child and is another distraction? What What is the one thing that we have a ton a shit ton of in this world is midlife crises. Where the fuck do you think midlife crises came from? It was people evolving, growing up and not really being able to be who they are in their own skin and really expand their gifts and harness who they were, regardless of if it was outside influences of their environment, if it was someone raising them with a projected viewpoint. There's so many different reasons for it. But when you take a kid and you're, you know, they're just massive beams of light. Let them be their light. Let them show and be who they are. Of course, we're supposed to harness and guide and whatever for, you know, moral grounding and good, good in the world. You know, you don't want a batshit, crazy, narcissistic, crazy person coming out because <laughs> fuck, no, <laughs> nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> And how do we end up creating narcissists? Well, usually it's because females coddled their child to raise them like the prodigal child that was like, and they were, they could do no wrong. And then it feeds the narcissism. Do you have disagreement on that? You know, I haven't done with it. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of narcissists in my life that I don't even recognize them as that. I just kind of go. Well, there's care. There's a difference between a characteristic of narcissism and then like, really really yeah really narcissistic but it's like those that I know of it's actually you know underneath it is a deep-seated insecurity okay right and so it's like I think that you know while they may have been cuddled they were completely ignored by what they really wanted okay Okay. Yes. So, so it was the like, attention went to somewhere else. It, well, the, you know, it's like there was all of this attention, but it was attention for them to be a certain way. And okay. so it's like they, they weren't, you know, they, it's they, almost they, like they didn't have a chance. Right. Yeah. And so it's like they're, you know, demanding of everyone else, see them a certain way and even brainwashing in some ways, the people around them to make them see them the way that they want to be seen. And it's not because there's something so there's something underneath it that they think is so ugly that they can't even deal with it themselves. Got it. Right. And and it's like, I think that that's where the, well, and it's, 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 it's interesting weird, that you said that because it's a weird dysfunction to me. Okay. Well, okay. So then let's, let's talk about like classic narcissism. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
classic narcissism, and we're not talking about people with narcissistic tendencies. We're talking about people with classic, like, inbred narcissism. They Scientifically, they say that narcissism usually solidifies somewhere around 23 and 24 and after that age it's almost like a lost cause like if the work wasn't done prior to 23 24 then they will continue to forever be a narcissist and there is no fixing them unless and i think it was like even five percent of a success rate of being able to salvage someone of extreme narcissism is only if you can strip them down almost completely from their foundational upbringing. Mm-hmm. And and it's only if that person is individually willing to do the work to do so, which I just makes me exhausted and wants to crawl into a ball and cry because I just think of having to like strip you down to the very essence of the beginning and everything that you were raised of knowing and then saying, oh, no, we got to completely strip you. That seems dangerous to me in a certain way, but I'm not, I don't know how purifying It's It's kind of like is. they're raised with this sense of pride that they are better than everyone else. Correct. Okay. And so it's like they're always being told, well, you're better than everyone else. You're better than everyone else. But on the inside, they don't believe that. Okay. But in their mind, they do. Right. Right. And, and that's why I'm saying there's a disconnect between the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. where their heart says, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not this, I'm not that, but their head says, you're better than everyone else. Yeah, think about that for a minute. I, I am. Yeah. I'm like, am I a narcissist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck! Like, well, I, you know, so everything, my perception, okay, this is totally my own perception, is that anything that is... Um, considered abnormal psychology is actually just the extreme of normal. Right. Right. And so it's kind of like we all have some level of, you know, everything that is, you know, it considered a disease or a dysfunction when it comes to psychology. We all which have is why a everything's which is why everything's being shifted to a spectrum. Right. Which like the DSM has been upgrading over the last. <sighs> they've been doing huge trans the last 15 20 years they've been huge transitions in changing the disorder titles and also you know like bipolar went from bipolar you know type one and two to actually being on a spectrum because there's so many variations of it like even autism has been like into a spectrum aspect so everything's been changed because we definitely all have a symptom of something right. period because we're human right the diff the thing is where i find it slightly dangerous is when you have some people where it is creating dysfunction within their life it is creating abnormalities within their day and day operations when we have that as an issue what ends up happening is you know you you've got people that You've got therapists out there that are like, well, it's okay to have your feelings. Well, okay. But when when you're bipolar that's unmedicated and you're still up and down all over the place and it's actually influencing and affecting your family and your day-to-day stuff, you can't just say that it's, you're allowed to have your feelings. Right. And it's one of those things where you're allowed to have feelings, but when you let those feelings run your life as Correct. if they are the truth and the only thing, that's where the problem comes in. Right. It's like, you know, and, and that's where, you know, working with a therapist, working with 
someone who understands like you aren't your emotions mm-hmm. right <laughs> your emotions are not um your life right those types of things and and helping you to bring perspective and coping techniques for you know when you have all of these big emotions what do you do with them right and recognizing too it's like i i find it really interesting did it stop again oh nope. no okay it's we're all good um <laughs> like ah. that's and, the husband and, texting me in the middle of a uh, podcast uh, uh, that was the look it was like uh. um <laughs> but recognizing that particularly with women because so much of the research that was done before 2000 was done in men right right and recognizing like how important and how huge female hormones and the shift in hormones every month every two weeks really every you know what it is how much that impacts us as women versus the way that it plays a role in men's health and so it's like women have throughout history been you know labeled as crazy and put in insane asylums and uh, you know just horrendous treatment because hormones were not understood and how they impact the everyday I mean it's it's like literally I know women that because of the way that their body processes hormones they really I I mean they literally feel bipolar every single month oh, yeah. because of their hormonal shifts right. and it's like it's not that you're bipolar right it's that literally we need some help balancing hormones and our culture and our environments are not set up for it and right. actually you know if you're living the average american life you're exposed to so many things that impact negatively that hormone balance that you don't even know about mm. right you know the plastics and the pesticides and the chemicals that all have effects on your hormones right not in a positive way right and and then you know these women get put on well butrin and prozac and all of this stuff to manage you know hormones or it's not which even which could have been a toxicity issue to start with yeah that influenced the hormones and off shifted and did all of this other stuff and the thing that the thing that i always find really interesting too is because you know my mother is bipolar and it, we've had to manage her symptoms for years. And this goes back to the 80s where like, you know, oh, look, here's a baby. Oh, crap, here's an episode. Oh, crap, here's the institution because we don't know where to put her. Oh, crap, how do we revive her? Electroshock. <laughs> like, we're talking the old school, like, strap you down, shock you up type thing. And I can't tell you, it sucks for her so on so many levels because it profoundly affected her memory. Um, now, she's got great long-term memory. We get all in here. All the women in the family has just wicked awesome memory from, I give credit to my grandmother. Even though my grandfather definitely had a photogenic memory, which I also inherited, but at the same time, the long-term memory is totally grandma all the way. But my mom, she still holds a lot of the history. She knows the random shit of the family. Even stuff like, I will bring up and she will just pick up and remember. But when it comes to that, her personal memories, like my entire childhood almost wiped out completely, yeah. like just gone because there wasn't a bill. Like they didn't know how to treat for it. They didn't know how to do different things. There wasn't about managing sequences. It was like load you up with numerous medications, which then ends up killing the organs and Hey, at least we got sanity. And then it's almost to the point where it's like, Hey, age wise it's not it's not like we can really refresh and do anything because there's so much wrong right because it's long-term damage it's like you know the focal point was about 
you know, there's there's plenty of people out there that do have functioning bipolar. They do have autism. They do have different things. And some of them don't need the medication because they can manage it through their lifestyle choices, their exposures, not have the influential factors of different toxins influencing them and just by creating a more self-care practice routine. Mm-hmm. And so they can function a lot better. And then there's the extreme cases where it's like, ah, oh, shit, you know, we don't want to chase Susie in the... In the oh god, that is my mom's name. I probably shouldn't use Susie as an example because she is not the straight jacket type of person. We're not chasing her naked in the yard with a straight jacket and like, come on, mom, put on your jacket. It's cold. Yeah. Like you know. So no, no, my mom is not. Susie is not that. Well, and, yeah. <laughs> and two, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know, knowing what I know about genetics, knowing that there are you know genes that absolutely predispose us to you know, different things, whether it's, you know, ADHD, whether it's bipolar, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it is whatever it is, you know, some people manifest those symptoms and some people don't. Right. And so, you know, even with your mom, it makes me wonder, it's like, if she were 20 something having children now versus then, how would she be treated differently that she may not have been, you know, put into um, oh yeah, you know the whole well, bipolar label on top of you know the medication on top of the treatments on top of the stuff that's actually created some of the long term issues that she's now the product of. Right, and the other thing that's more importantly something to pay attention to is you also have to look at she was a baby boomer, so she's the baby boomer that elite like she definitely had a, had a eat your feelings stuff until we dealt with some of those those issues then like here she did have a decent childhood but she was raised in the baby boomer generation so there's still some of that trauma dynamic late baby boomer late late baby boomer but there's still some of that trauma dynamic in her upbringing even though she wouldn't look at it everything she looks back at was a good happy memory well that's because it was that time and age where you kept everything all yeah, and like everything it was all like yes leave it to beaver exactly and so and so and then and of course like she segued into you know like that 70s whatever she was a beatles person she wasn't a hippie like she like so there was you know beatles was like you know rebel beha- but a behavioral rebel like you know like yes. that's kind of how i look I at behavioral. oh yes exactly it's like hey we're still rocking out but shh it's okay mom and dad are okay even though yeah. they find it annoying so like it was kind of that like so she was raised in that kind of category but then when she goes into her college years she ends up meeting an asshat like my father which actually asshat is being very nice in in terms because usually i refer to my one of my uncles as that but like when it comes to my my father he was your classic narcissistic sociopath, right? And so all of the things that ended up being him, you know, that ended up creating years and years of damage and trauma and all kinds of stuff. So interesting. she's the one who gets labeled and... Medicated. Medicated and... Institutionalized. Institutionalized and treated harshly. And have her children taken from her, yeah. et cetera. Right. And so, like, I mean, like, we're talking the Mac Daddy of the Mac Daddies. Right. And so, there, and, and the thing is, is that when you flash forward to present day, and even though all is, you know, repairing, and of course, there's things in my life that have, that need a lot of uh, reflectance and healing, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like, you know, with the bipolar stuff, it's almost like, okay, it's a little, right now we're in a manage mode. We're not in a, we can't reset. Mm-hmm. We can't restart. 
we can't go backwards. It's about management and making things as best as we can. Yes. There's stuff that, I mean, she could, if she wanted to, jump into the past and heal certain traumas. But honestly, it doesn't make sense to poke the bear. Right. There's not a reason to poke the bear. And on well, top and of it, she's fully functional. A better quality of life for her to do so at this point. No, not at all. She's in a very good place in her life. She was very successful. She did life-changing things for many people. She was a drug she was one of the top adolescent drug rehab specialists um in the in the Chicago area. Even ended up writing the adult program as well. Started her own private practice. She did tremendous things. She's even re- recently working on getting her book published that um, is basically like a go-to pamphlet booklet um, for parents that are in like dire straits with their child with addiction and basically getting them the help and getting them like through it. And it all is, the whole focus point of it is to get them the help to address the issues and get in and getting getting into a controlled environment to where you can start addressing the issues, right. which is huge. And it talks about, you know, neural pathways and connectivity and where all of that stuff is. So there's a lot of research, a lot of history that goes into it. And it's like, when you see people have these really great dreams, like my family, I don't think has ever given her credit for the hard work that she's done. Like she's been a self-sacrificer in helping people you know and it's like in my family's my family's so weird we have very unique individuals that do very cool things but nobody talks about business and no <laughs> and no one asks the other person for their professional advice i've never had a single person in my family ask me about health advice except for my uncle one time and then did he listen to anything i said no no not at all. Yeah. And of course, he went right under the knife. And then I'm surprised. Like, oh, okay, Billy. I wonder why you've had numerous surgeries because you yeah. keep going under the knife, and that's not the solution. I I I feel so incredibly blessed that my mom and my brother listen to me. Mm-hmm. I think that eventually my niece and my nephew may or may not, but their mom definitely like she struggles with the concepts of thinking out of the box because her dad was a medical professional, right? And he's so very western medicine take the medicine you know right right <laughs> it's like they totally drinking the kool-aid or taking the medicine whatever you want to call it whatever it is, yeah she drank the kool-aid i like drank i like the drink the kool-aid she drank the kool-aid the kool-aid's my um, favorite and and she really struggles and um it, you know it, it, it's kind of one of those things where i'm not saying that um, if you have an absolute need for medication not to take it, that's not what I'm saying at all. I want to be very clear about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that there are people that, um, you know, just going more holistic and, you know, working through your past traumas and all of that sort of stuff, it's not going to fix those immediate problems and you may have to be medicated in the short term. Right? <laughs> you have to. And maybe even long term. But at the same time, it's kind of like looking at other options out there when you're not in those dire straits. Um, and you have the capacity to work on other, uh, other avenues. It's like, there's so much available to us now that wasn't available 20, 40 years ago. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that I've really love what's going on now because you're seeing so many healing opportunities. You're seeing influencers on Instagram that are spreading the word on that influence, like 
on influencing people to clear themselves or educating people on where some of these traumas and triggers are coming from, which is fantastic. Now, the sad thing is, is that there are some people that are still, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes, that there are still some people that are taking the information and almost manipulating it to their own use so they can continue playing in their victimhood. Right. And the sad thing is, is that it doesn't matter. We're always going to have that. That's right. always going to be a thing because we have to respect the fact that people are on their own emotional process to be dealing with their issues first and foremost. And when it comes to not understanding where they are in their life phase or where they are on their healing journey, sometimes people have to continue playing in their victimhood until they're ready to actually really see themselves with a clear, with a clear lens. Yeah. And a lot of times you have to remember that people are playing the victimhood because they're not ready to face all of the clarity of the perspective or even take ownership of their portion because they're, they may not be strong enough yet. They're still processing, oh my God, this just happened to me. Oh my gosh, I was under attack. And then they're trying to create their healthy boundaries, but they create their healthy boundaries in a sense of deflecting, but at the same time, nothing's coming in and nothing's coming out. I almost like imagine like a brick wall yeah. um, where it's like, okay, I could, I, I see what's happening with them. I identify it. I know how to help them, but at the same time, they can't hear me, so I'm not even going to tap on the glass because yeah. there's no freaking point because they're not in a place of hearing. Right. And, you know, here's here's what's interesting about it. It's like this is one of the reasons that it is so incredibly important to have a good, close-knit group of friends and family and things like that. And if you don't have family, I'm telling you, like, my friends are the ones that keep me sane. <laughs> are you kidding me? You're the one that's keeping me sane in the last, like, year. When did we start having shit hit the fan? Like, a year ago? And, and, and I say that because it's kind of like, you know, your friends are the family that you choose. Because, you know, we, we all know that we don't really have choice in family, at least not in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the current circumstances. Um, they just are who they are, right? Right. And, um, you know, it's like having those close-knit people that can gently say, you know what, I love you, and right this second you're being a control freak, you've got to stop. Right. You know, it's like, but you need to, like, have those relationships beforehand so that you can actually hear that person when they're like, no, 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 you crossed a boundary there. Right. You know, and, and it not necessarily being in your relationship with that person, but just like helping you to, to, to really see the perspective of what's going on around you. Right. And it's like, for me, that's one of the things that it's, that has been so instrumental for me in creating relationships in the last, I mean, as an adult, because I didn't have those relationships as a kid. Right. Right. And, um, you know, we were, you know, kind of bringing it back around to growing up with baby boomers. It's kind of like, you know, they, they said their own set of boundaries for you yeah and didn't allow you to set your own right and so it's like it was something that I really had to learn to do on my own in my 20s and 30s mm-hmm. right and I, I think that's true for for most children it's like you know our parents do their best to protect us but at the same time it's like I think that it gets taken too far, far. sometimes. yeah there really is I mean like I mean even today I mean like we have eight clusterfuck of helicopter moms a clusterfuck and i'm talking like a clusterfuck like i mean there's so many helicopter moms and i'm not talking we're talking about the helicopter moms that hover to the point where they don't want their child getting a skinned knee 
because they're trying they're always trying to mindfully make sure their child isn't hurt they won't want their kid emotionally hurt they won't want them physically hurt they don't want them sometimes to face like life circumstances because they want to keep them in this happy little nesting bubble but we can't protect them forever and we have to be able to show them how to navigate through the ups and downs and the emotions because if you don't then those are the kids that are breaking down in their 20s and 30s when life gets hard because they don't know what to do and they're freaking the fuck out. And we've got, you know, I mean, and there are the helicopter moms that are not the ones that hover, 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 but still are trying to constant. It's almost like these moms have a control issue. They have a control issue because, uh, and it's usually stemmed from fear, you know, fear of something happening to their happiness or their bubble or interfere infringing with what's going on with their happy unit. And you're going to, it doesn't even matter. You can do all the work that you want to try and protect your world and your bubble, but life shit is still going to happen regardless. And we can't, and you can sit there and say, oh, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Well, that's great. You got all your boxes checked, but that doesn't mean that you're not, that you've just opted yourself out of bad things. Right. Like that's not, it, it, that doesn't mean everybody has their own shit. And you guys, you constantly, like our friend circle constantly is like, Hey girls, let's, let's share our stories. Let's share our chaos. Let's share all these things. I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, even Alicia this week, I went in just driving to the, to your, to see you yesterday. Oh my God, it was yesterday. So like just even driving yesterday, it was like, I had been holding all my shit together I knew I was suppressing feeling and I was just in a hold it together until we get through this and then you can process your feelings later. And then I had a screaming fit in the car just with all my anger, all my frustrations, all of my whatever to the point where my voice was harsh the rest of the day, almost as if like you would think I'd had allergies or something because my voice, I was so upset. And it wasn't that I was like, you know, going batshit crazy. It was that I had to release it. And it was like, I came in and I just was like, I had been pouring, crying. I had pouring everything. I just, I was just in that place and I needed to release the emotions because I hadn't. They'd been in me and they had been, I've just been on functional mode. And so, and of course, then I walk in and then one of my clients is there and I'm like, what's up boss? And then like, <laughs> and then like, and I'm like, do not show the face, just wave and be woohoo. And then ro- walk in like, so, so like I walked in and then I swear after you put needles in me, I just sat there kind of sobbing internally, like for like at least 10 minutes, just because I had to release it. I had to release it. How much of us don't take the time to release what's stored within us? Right. And, and I think, you know, especially as... When, I'm going to say especially as women, but men do it too. Men just do it differently. But it's like, you know, women, especially ones that have done the work and they've been in the counseling and that they have all of these coping skills and all of the stuff. They've done all of the work, right? right? Especially those. It's like recognize that there is no point sometimes inventing those emotions on the people that they're about. Right. Right. It's like you can't expect your husband to, you know... <laughs> fix everything for you. You can't expect your husband to be your everything. It's like having that circle of friends that can just let you vent about him or about whatever, you know, Helps about you your process. fears. Because it's like, if you bring your fears to him, he's going to, first of all, think they're about him. And second of all, think that he has to do something about it. And third of all, you know, most men, they want to be the fixers. 
Yes. And it's not, it's not for them to fix, right? It's right. just like, sometimes we just need to be heard. Right. And, well, and, and I feel like sometimes you have that like, whoosh, you know, <laughs> yeah, the ringer, the ringer of the towel and just let it, let it yeah, loose. Let and, out. Yeah. Either that or it's like, you know, the, the soda can that's been shaken up. You just need to like, whoosh, yes. Well, and, <laughs> that, and, and that's kind of one of the things is like, you know, when I, when I focus on like husband, wife dynamics of things and partnership, it's like, you know, both parties still have, have very similar fears. They have very similar like paranoia and things of that nature. Sometimes one person's leading with it one day and then the other person's in a good one. And then the next day the roles switch. And some days you're on the bad spout together. But the interesting thing is, is that each person's still trying to be there to support one another, but then at the same time they're speaking different languages and then they're not matching up. And so, you know, and then it triggers more of correct whatever in the other. Exactly. And so, and one of the things I've been really, I've been very excited about my husband's intu- intuition really expanding, but then I realized, oh fuck, he can pick up on my shit now. And before <laughs> I used to be able to deflect and be like, oh, I'm fine, honey. Ba, 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 ba. And like, and, per- and not pretend like everything was fine, but just not bring attention to it. So that I didn't add more strain into his life. Now with his intuition, he can tell right away what's wrong. Like even just with the inflection of my voice. And so before I used to just go, oh, it's fine, whatever. And then that would trigger him more and push right. him more into his head because he, he could, could feel it. He could feel it. But he just wasn't saying, okay, I hear that. What's wrong? Right. And so now I have actually, compl- I'm now having to retrain myself after the 19 years we've been together. One, I learned last year that I was dealing with him wrong for 19 years. Poor man. <laughs> I feel so bad. I have, I have a lot of years to make up for that because I just overloaded him too much because I didn't respect Pisces rules. And then the other thing <laughs> that I found is that now with his intuition, when he has pickup, I have to honor it. So when he has a dream or a vision or, hey, I want to do this I'm like you know what I don't have the energy or capacity to help generate that you run with it okay honey the answer is yes absolutely if that's something you want to manifest it's all yours do it and like and I was like I'll ride the ride with you but I can't help you with that envision so if that's what you're seeing then you you make that happen for it yes and in what's really good is that now you know I think last week he looked at me and said you know Hey, are you okay? And I looked at him and said, you know what? I'm really not. And he goes, well, what, is there something I can do? Right to the fixer, autocorrector. And I said, no, it's my frustration with the way that the world is, the way that things function. Like life has become harder. Like customer service is hard. Communication is harder. There's all, there seems to be more obstacles in front of us. When you're trying to do one simple fucking thing that should only take you five minutes, now takes you 20 minutes to three hours, and then your day is gone, and then you didn't get anything done, and then you're fucked. And so (laughs) I'm sitting there like, this is not okay. We need to there's, I'm just not okay with this. I'm frustrated that this is the way the world is right now. I'm so, and then I thanked him for not being part of that problem and for trying to be more of a solution and for helping me protect our world that we created because that keeps me grounded and keeps me together. But at least I had to identify, no, I'm not fucking okay. Like, but and normally when I would not even acknowledge that in front of him because I'd 
be working on protecting his stress levels and other things. And now it's a huge release for me to not have to do that anymore, but also very foreign and makes me feel very exposed and fragile at the same time, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Yeah. Because that's when rebirth and growth and all the fun fucking things happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's like listening to, like, your growth when it comes to partnership with mm-hmm. the two of you in the last, I mean, since I've known you for the last three to five years, whatever. I don't even know how long you've been here. Six. Six years. It is officially oh six years on the 10th is wow. when we closed on our house. Wow. Um, so we've known each other like, for almost, it'll be six years in September. Yeah. Just watch it. I mean, just like I said, just watching the growth like um, of you and your family and all. It, I mean, it's just it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we love you. <laughs> we do. But I think I think I think we hit all of the the it, coverage for today. Yeah, I was gonna say I think we you know changing. I don't even know what we started with. Crazy, crazy, and I was singing. <laughs> crazy. Crazy, but we were so lonely. lonely.